Well, good morning again, everyone. My name is Ryan Alexander. I'm the lead pastor here at Hosanna. This is my wife, Jen, and we're going to be sharing the message with you together as we do from time to time. Yes. Happy New Year, everybody, here and in Shakopee. Hello. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year to those of you online as well. Uh, We're going to receive the offering at this time, so if the ushers would come forward to receive our offering. Uh, It is a new year. Was anyone else ready for a new year in here, 2017? Here we are. Okay, a few of you at least. Uh, and, and I was. And I found myself as we stepped into this new year feeling grateful. Uh, grateful for my family, my wife. And since she's up here, I just want to say I'm grateful for you. Thank I'm you. I'm very grateful for you. And you embody a lot of what we're going to be talking about. I was thinking about that this morning. So anyway, Thank thanks for letting us have that private moment. Anyway, I'm grateful for our family too, our boys. Grateful for this church family. Uh, grateful for all of you. We, we feel so blessed to be a part of this church family at Hosanna. Uh, But I'm also excited about this year, the the year ahead of us. I believe it's going to be a good, I just have this sense, it is going to be a good, good, good year for us at Hosanna. And I hope you have that sense too. In fact, I'm going to declare it. It's going to be a good year for us at Hosanna. And big, big reason why, this vision that we have to multiply. You're going to be hearing a lot about it, a multiply in a word. God is calling us to multiply, not just to get bigger and wider, although that's part, part of it, but to get deeper to get deeper in our faith, and to go deeper into other people's lives. Uh, it is going to be good. And your giving, your investments, your engagement here at Hosanna uh, is, is how this vision is going to come alive. And I believe in 2017, it is going to continue to come alive in dynamic, dynamic ways. Now, I know some of you are back from the Christmas season. Uh, you, you were checking us out during Christmas, and, and now you're back. And we said then, we're honored, we were honored to have you here. We're even more honored to have you come back. <laughs> And, and to, to be here with us now. Now, you've noticed that the mess from the animals is gone, right? But, but the stories of Chris' mess are still very much with us. Uh, particularly the cards, been hearing stories about the cards. If you were here on Christmas Eve that we passed around and shared each other's messes anonymously. And we, but we were given over those messes in our lives. I heard one story in particular, a woman shared that, that the card she ended up with uh, had the, the same mess on it that she had put on her card. And she said, it was so good to know I'm not the only one with this mess, right? And, and isn't it good to know that we're not alone? When it comes to having messes, uh, we don't have to be alone. We can come together with others and, and we can know that God is with us. So that was Chris' mess in December, uh, that God comes into the middle of our mess. Uh, and, and, but he doesn't stop there. He, he comes in the middle of our, our lives and he makes something out of them. And that's where the January challenge comes in. This theme verse in Philippians 1.6 Paul writes, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished, the day when Christ Jesus comes. What Paul is saying is we are all a work in progress. If you know you're a work in progress, say amen. Amen. But God is working. He gets into the middle of our lives, and he's working, and he's developing, and he's shaping, and he's growing us, and that's the January challenge. We're inviting God into every aspect of our lives this month, and Jen's going to tell you more about that. Yeah. Tag. Tag. I love this verse. I I was thinking, I've I've shared this with you, that if I had a a life verse, some people say they have a life verse, I think this would be mine. Philippians 1, 6, I just love it. I'm a bit of a type A person, and so I'm one of those people that's going to think I have to do the good work within me. Does anybody resonate with that? And I read this, and I remember that God began the good work in me. And I would just remind you of that this morning, that you're sitting in the chair you're sitting in because God is doing a good work in you. It's by his spirit that you are here, and that everything we're going to talk about and be challenged to do this month, it's 
it's a good reminder that it's him who's doing that work within us. So with that foundation, let's talk about the January challenge. We have been planning for this for many months. Uh, You should know that every series that we do has been talked about and planned for many months ahead of time. So we've been thinking about this since about September, October, and I've just really been looking forward to it. And as we've been planning it, we've been thinking about um, two major groups of people that would be experiencing this challenge. First of all, of course, those of us in the room who would say that we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are followers, and we are church-going people. This is part of what we do. And so what is the January challenge for for that group of people? I put myself in that category and ourselves in that category. I would say um, that for, for us, the challenge is sometimes we tend to silo our faith lives a little bit. I know that I do this. You know, I, I show up maybe on church on the weekend and, and I maybe attend a Bible study or I'm in, involved in something like that. But then I don't always let faith inform the daily decisions that I make regarding um, how I schedule my life, what I eat and what I don't, how I exercise. Uh, and then and this week we're going to be talking about how we acquire stuff and how we're to engage with stuff. And so the goal for us this month is that we would integrate our faith lives a little further into our daily lives. And then the other group of people we've been thinking about, and we know that you're in the room, are people who are maybe a little bit more on the fringe of faith. You might even still be asking the question, does God exist? And if he does, does he really make any difference in anybody's life? And perhaps you this month have, have decided, okay, fine, for 31 days, I'll give this a shot. I'll give it a shot. I will invite God into my life for 31 days and see if it, if it makes any difference. And I would just tell you that as a leadership team, we're most excited for you because we are sure that God will show up in your life and he will show you that having his spirit and his wisdom involved in your life makes all of the difference. So welcome to the January challenge. That's what it's for. Last week, we kicked off this challenge on the first day of January, and many of you came. Good on you. You came on New Year's Day, and the rest of us were still sleeping, but we don't judge you, because uh, I was still sleeping. Yeah, or me. Um, you came. I, uh, someone had to take care of the children. Anyway, <laughs> many of you did show up, and it was a wonderful weekend and a wonderful message. You can check them out online. We had um, Jared preaching here in Lakeville and Nathan out there in Shakopee, just giving great messages about how to begin your day with God. And we put a tool into your hands. We hope that every single person in this room, every single person will go home today, if you don't already have this, with this 31-day devotional. That means that a husband and a wife, you can each have your own because we don't really like to share things like this because I like to scribble and write in the, in the margins and then if he reads my notes, that's distracting and sometimes the notes are about him and prayers that I have to pray for him and you know, Thank those you. sorts of things. So you can each have your own and uh, the goal with these and for me, no, and, th- and you pray for me too. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I do. I need it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know you know I need it. Okay, so... We designed these uh, to take about five minutes. Of course, you can take longer, and many of you are already in a daily rhythm with God that takes much longer than five minutes, but for those of us who are just trying it on, it's five minutes, it has a scripture verse, it has a short thought, and then it has a prayer. And I just love the thought that every single one of us is going to be doing this together on the same day, that everybody in this church is reading the same Bible verse, praying the same prayer. It's going to be a really unifying experience, but we also hope a profound personal experience for you. And so please pick up one of these before you go today if you don't have one already. Today, though, we are turning the corner into the next week of challenges, and this week is called the Stuff Challenge. 
the stuff challenge. Now there's a lady up here, she's holding all these clothes, looking totally overwhelmed, like what am I supposed to do with all these clothes? And I feel that way sometimes. Um, You know, very often the Lord will, when we are going to be working on a a subject and presenting a subject, he will in a way just demonstrate to us that this is right on point with where, where people are by causing us to run into people or have conversations about the particular subject. And this happened to me last week. I was at a coffee shop um, taking my notes and, and really reading the passage that we'll be diving into here in just a moment in the book of Luke. And I was, I was writing my notes and these two gals came in and sat down next to me. I didn't know them, but they were sitting really close to me. So it was one of those things where I wasn't trying to eavesdrop on their conversation, but I could hear every single thing they were saying to one another. So there they were and they greeted each other, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, etc. How was your Christmas? And briefly, they were like, oh, it was lovely. We had a really great Christmas, but oh my gosh. And then they launched into this conversation that lasted a long time about how um, frustrated, overwhelmed, they use the word suffocated by all the new stuff that just came into their house. Does anybody resonate with this? Yes, I mean, all the new toys and all the new clothes and everything that just came in, they're saying, now we gotta make room for the new stuff by getting rid of the old stuff, and it's just stuff, stuff, stuff. So I thought, okay, God, you're, you're on to something here. This is, this is going on. And then the next night, Ryan and I went over to dinner at a friend's house, and and I was chatting with the wife and said, you know, how was your weekend? And she said, oh, it was good. And she said, except my husband was really crabby today. And I said, oh, gosh, that's so unfortunate because my husband is never crabby. It's true. Never. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And you actually get crabby about the very same thing that this gal's husband was crabby about. They have girls. We have boys. So for us, it's, it's Nerf bullets and it's Legos. But he, she said, my husband is so crabby because we got all these new Shopkins. I don't know about Shopkins, okay? But some of you know about Shopkins. Yeah. She said, they're everywhere. They're tiny. My husband, we also got Barbie clothes and Barbie shoes and they're just everywhere. And my husband is so crabby because we have nowhere to put them and he keeps stepping on them and he's just really crabby about stuff. And you kind of understand that. Yeah. You live that reality. Totally. And I would say that I don't really get crabby. I just get convicted in the Holy Spirit about some of those things. Just to be Oh. Oh, that's what it is. That's what that is. <laughs> actually, okay. I actually have, I, I've said this before, I think, that sometimes at our house it feels like we're swimming in a sea of plastic, right? Yeah. And, and don't tell Jen that I do this, all right? But every once in a while I'll find a toy on the floor and uh, I put it back where it's supposed to go, in the garbage, okay? And I uh, put it right in there in the middle of the night, no one knows. Uh, I heard some grandparents who were at Perkins and I, over, you gotta be careful what you say in public places, okay? Because pastors are listening. But anyway, uh, I heard these two grandparents talking about they were at their kids grandkids homes and and they were talking about their grandkids they'd open up a present and they'd be excited about it for like two seconds and then they move to the next one excited about it for two seconds right here's the problem with stuff (laughs) stuff the challenge with stuff even is that stuff promises what it cannot deliver stuff promises what it cannot deliver it promises things like fulfillment and satisfaction, and happiness, and security. It promises all that stuff. (laughs) Advertising, marketing, they spend billions of dollars trying to convince us that that stuff can deliver on all that, but it can't. Research tells us there's an initial spike when you get something new, you buy something, you acquire something, you know, you get, you're happy, you're fulfilled, you're satisfied, but over the course of time, it goes like this very quickly, your satisfaction. (laughs) In, in economics, it's called the law of diminishing returns, right? It, 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 it's, it doesn't keep us satisfied. And stuff, stuff isn't bad. I just want to say that right up front, okay? It's not that we shouldn't have any stuff. Stuff isn't bad. It's our relationship with stuff 
that becomes problematic for us. It's how we relate to stuff in our lives. When we start putting stuff at the center, when we start focusing on stuff, when we start pursuing stuff, that's when life gets off track. That's when life gets leaky, if you will. The joy, the happiness, the fulfillment starts to leak out when we're pursuing stuff. In fact, I want to say it this way, if you want to write it down. Pursuing stuff leads to a life that leaks. It leaks. It leaks joy and meaning and purpose when you're pursuing stuff, when your relationship with stuff is out of whack. It leads to a life that leaks. This past summer, Jen and I I got asked to speak at a family camp. If you've never been to a family camp, I would highly recommend going. We had a great time. We spoke in the morning and told everyone how perfect our family was. And then, uh, not really, but we told them a few things about our experience as a family and what God's word says about being. And then the rest of the day, we just got to hang out as a family. Really cool experience. The camp that we went to is Riverside Bible Camp just outside of Story City, Iowa. And just up until very recently... They have had a pool at that camp with leaks in it. And just to give you a sense for how much this pool was leaking, it was leaking 25,000 gallons of water a day. Here's a picture of the pool when they drained it, right? 25,000, that's 700,000 gallons of water a month this pool was leaking. So every day, they'd fill it up, 25,000 gallons, every day it would leak out. 25,000 gallons leak out. You see where I'm going with this? This is a life of pursuing stuff. You keep trying to fill it up, it leaks out. You fill it up, it leaks out. The meaning, the joy, the purpose that you think you can get from stuff, it leaks out. Jesus wants to show us a different way, a different kind of life. He wants to show us a life that doesn't have holes, that doesn't leak, a life that has the the right relationship with stuff. And we're gonna look at a passage in Luke chapter 12 that Jen's gonna kick off for us here where Jesus does that. So if you wanna open your Bibles to Luke 12, you can do that. Mm Mm-hmm got a Bible with you, open it up to Luke chapter 12. We'll be starting in verse 13. Otherwise, there are great Bible apps you can certainly use to read along, or we'll be reading it out loud, and it'll be up on the side screens. Uh, Just a word that I think is important as we continue to jump in and identify this problem that we have with stuff, just to identify the reality that we are sitting in a room full of people with tremendous privilege. We're speaking about stuff in the suburb of Minneapolis, St. Paul, that, you know, poor us bemoaning that we have too much stuff and we're drowning in it. And I just think it's an important thing to say out loud that we are so privileged. Come on, somebody. We are so privileged that there are people for whom this is a very different conversation. They do not have enough stuff. They do not have enough stuff to survive. So we just want to make sure that we keep this in context of where we are in this room and hear Jesus' words in context um, of where he would have spoken it. So a quick word before we dive into into this part of Luke to just set the stage of what is really happening in history as Jesus is saying these words. This is about halfway through Jesus' ministry, and by this point, he has gathered quite a crowd around him. Um, People were drawn to his wisdom and the way that he seemed to just have a really special relationship with God, and so many, many people began to gather around him. But we'll see that even in this passage, there are two groups of people. One is identified as the crowd. And they would be the ones who are coming and they're listening and they're wondering, but they haven't yet become a disciple, which is the next group that he addresses very specifically. So I'm going to talk about what he said to the crowd, and then Ryan will talk about what he said to the disciples. And you might identify with one of those groups of people. The crowd is sort of on the fringes. I'm listening to this wisdom. I'm wondering if it matters in my life. And then there's the disciples who he turns to. And these, of course, are the people who had already decided, I'm all in. I'm following Jesus with my whole life. I believe everything that he's saying, and I'm going to apply it in my life, okay? So he begins with the crowd in verse 13. 
Something happens. He has been teaching this large group of people, and all of a sudden, somebody out there shouts out to Jesus and says this to him in verse 13. Someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So basically, there's this guy who sees this as an opportunity to settle his family dispute here about stuff. He says, at our house, we're having this big fight about my father's estate and who should get what, and who gets the dining room table, and who gets the TV, okay? And so Jesus, what should we do? You, you seem like a smart guy. Tell us what to do. And, you know, and I would just say I know in the room that there are probably people who are dividing estates right now. That happens when our parents die. That happens when we go through a divorce. And we get down to the nitty-gritty of I get what and you get what. And so Jesus' response to him is interesting. First of all, he says, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? So he basically says, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of how you're going to divide the dining room table. But I will tell you this, he goes on. Then he said, I'll tell you this, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Beware. Guard against greed. For life is not measured by how much you own. So to this guy who is just, oh, wrestling with how much, who gets what much stuff, he says, just beware, because greed will destroy your soul. That's what causes a leaky soul. So first of all, beware of that. And then second of all, know this, really know this, your life isn't measured by what you own. It's not measured by what you own. And that word, I just think, is for every person in this room. And it's going to hit us differently, as it would people in that crowd. There are some of us who are thinking, oh, relieved by that. Well, thank God. I've been trying to keep up with the Benjamins. And okay, my life is not measured by what I own. That's good, because I don't own a lot, and I can't keep up. And then there are those of us in the room who really, that's news to you, that your life isn't measured by what you own. Because you've been living like it really is measured by what you own. So let's all hear that word from Jesus, first of all. Then he goes on and does one of the things that I love most about how Jesus teaches. He, he takes a, a, a teaching and he turns it into a story. And he says, it's like this. So you can kind of see it play out and live, live it out. And he says, it's like this. This is just what happens in the, in the verses following. It's a, it, I'll tell you a story. It's like this. It's like a man who was really successful at farming. And he had tremendous uh, harvest. But this man then spent all of his time, all of his energy consumed by, by building bigger and bigger barns to hold his stuff in. He said, that's what happened to this guy. He just got consumed by that. And he says in the story that God comes to this man and has this to say to him. This is what God says to the man in verse 21. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Just want to look at this for a second. It does not say a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth. Some of us have earthly wealth. And honestly, if you were foolish, you probably wouldn't have earthly wealth because you must be pretty smart to have gotten there. Does that make sense? But what he does say, the person is a fool who has earthly wealth but does not have a rich relationship with God. And so he's saying to the crowd, he's saying what really matters, what really matters, be careful of a greedy soul, what really matters is having a rich relationship with God. So that's what he says to the crowd. And then he turns to the disciples and has more to flesh out with them. That's good. Yeah, Jesus turns from the crowd to his followers and teaches his followers what, what it looks like to relate to stuff as a follower of Jesus Christ. So many of us in here, we consider ourselves followers of Jesus. We're going to hear Jesus teaching now as what are we supposed to, to do when it comes to stuff as, as followers of Jesus. Some of you, you're not sure if you want to be a follower of Jesus yet. You're, 
not even sure if you believe in Jesus yet, okay? So it's an opportunity for you to have a window into how followers of Jesus are supposed to relate to stuff, and you can hold us all accountable who are followers, okay? Because this is how we're supposed to relate to stuff. So we could look at this whole passage, and I would encourage you to uh, look at the whole passage and just kind of dwell in this text because it's so good. There's so much here, but we're going to pull some takeaways out of these last five verses, starting at verse 30. Jesus says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things, material possessions, stuff, material things, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock. By the way, very common connection made in Scripture and Jesus' teaching between fear and worry and material possessions. Think about your own fears and your worries. How many of them are connected to material possessions? Not all, but many, many of them are. Don't be afraid, little flock, verse 32, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus goes on some more, but let's stop stop there. So did you hear it? Did you hear what Jesus said? That it is possible to have a pool that doesn't leak. (laughs) He doesn't say pool. He says purse. Right, a purse that, that never gets old, that never develops old. But same idea, a container, a vessel that doesn't leak, that holds these purses of heaven. Now, I don't know how many of you ladies would, would describe your purses that way, right? or, or how many husbands would describe their wife's purses that way. Yours is pretty good, although every once in a while I reach in and there's like melted fruit snacks. Does anyone have that? But, but here's what we're talking about, purses of heaven, these, these containers, these vessels that, that don't get old, that don't develop holes, that don't leak. It is possible when we have the right relationship with stuff, when we are seeking the kingdom of God above all else, to have a pool, a purse, here's what we're talking about, a life that doesn't leak, that holds all the fullness that God wants to pour into our lives, and it stays there. So how do we do this? How do we do this? We have to go a different way when it comes to stuff. As followers of Jesus, a different way, we have to have a different relationship with stuff than the world tells us to have. Right, so we're gonna look at this Jesus way when it comes to stuff, and we're gonna pull three aspects of the Jesus way, and these are in your notes if you wanna fill out the blank. The first aspect of the Jesus way when it comes to stuff is that it isn't consumed by stuff. Isn't consumed by stuff. Jesus says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. Material possessions, things, stuff consumed by, obsessed with, preoccupied with stuff. Right? Now, it's, it's not wrong to consume. Right? This is the world we, we live in. Okay? We, we have to consume things. It makes the world go round, so you should go to Target, Hy-Vee, even Fleet Farm. Okay? Should go, and that's part of how the world goes. But, but, but what, what gets off track, where life gets leaky, is when we start to get consumed by stuff instead of consuming stuff. You see the difference? We start to con- get consumed with it. Another way to, to ask it maybe is, do you own stuff or does your stuff own you? Does it own you? There's a big difference there. If you own stuff, there's freedom in that. If stuff owns you, you are imprisoned by it. 
You are suffocated by it. It is controlling you. <laughs> pastor Mike Swecker was our prayer pastor here for many, many years. Some of you know him. Uh, he went, he and his wife Julie went and served a ministry called Time to Revive for a year, and now they're back in the Twin Cities. We're happy about that, and they're around here. But something that Mike will often say is, what gets your attention gets you. What gets your attention gets you. What has your attention? What is at the center of your attention? If it is stuff, and we're honest about it, if it's stuff, it's getting you. It's owning you. It's consuming you. <laughs> and by the way, this can happen whether we own it or we don't. If we own it, we're protecting it. We're consumed with protecting what we were holding on. If we don't own it, we're preoccupied with pursuing it. We can consume us. As Jesus followers, we aren't consumed by stuff. We may consume, but we don't get consumed by it. Another aspect of the Jesus way is that the Jesus way knows the difference between stuff we need and stuff we don't. Stuff we need and stuff we don't. That, Jesus says, your father knows what you need. So here's the question, do you? Do you know what you need? I mean, what you actually need. Uh, do you know the difference between what you need and what you want? And again, it's not bad to want things, right? We can all want things. It's, it's not even bad to, to, to receive some of those or to get some of those things we want. Where life gets leaky, <laughs> what leads to a life that leaks is when we start to confuse wants and needs, when, when wants in our lives start to become needs or things we think we need. I had this thought recently. It's not up on a screen or anything because it was so recent. But when wants become needs, it turns to greed. When wants become needs, it turns to greed. And Jesus says, beware of every kind of greed. How does this happen? Well, I want it. I want it. No, I need it. I need it. Like Gollum and Lord of the Rings. My precious. I need it, right? I need it. That's when life gets leaky, when wants be, become needs. What's the answer? What's the solution to this? Jesus gives us a solution. If you want to know, the antidote, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Get, get your relationship with God right. Put him at the center. Pursue him above all else. and Put, put him at the center of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God, and, and then what you need, it'll come. That promise of provision. Some of you just need to hear that. Sometimes it may feel like just barely enough, but God, he wants to provide for you, give you what you need. He'll also help you differentiate between what you need and what you, what you want. That's a gift. So it leads to a life that doesn't leak. And even when you're seeking the kingdom of God above all else, even, even those wants that come into our lives, because sometimes they do, we receive them as gifts versus grabbing it. We receive them as gifts. Thank you, God. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that blessing. You're, we're open-handed about it. It's different. Yes. Different way. Absolutely. The different way. The third way. The Jesus way. Um, I would just, you know, we're calling this the January challenge for a reason because some of these things are really challenging. And I told you that very often when we're preparing a message, God will kind of put circumstances in our life that will just underline. And, and very often he'll allow us to live the message first before we give it. And I would tell you this happened to me over the last couple of weeks. Um, our household is not generally a household that has been super focused on stuff. I think, Ryan, that's in large credit to you, honestly. I think you lead our family to not be consumed by stuff. However, we, um, in the last couple of weeks, we, we live in a house, it's a lovely home that was built in the 80s. Anybody else? And so it's 30 years old. And so every, things are just starting to break. They're starting to deteriorate. And there's the things that we need to fix, that we need to deal with. And then there are the things that, you know, we use this word, that are outdated, 
right? Like my kitchen cabinets. My kitchen cabinets are outdated. They're oak. They're made out of wood. They're not white. My trim's not white, okay? I don't have a backsplash in my kitchen. And, and these are things that, honestly, I've never really noticed until the last couple of weeks we started talking about them. And I'll just tell you, it was like a train that began, and then I couldn't get off. Like, I started thinking about, oh, we probably should update our covers. And well, if we're going to update our covers, we probably have to update our floors. And if we're going to update our floors, we probably need to paint everything again. And I just started to get consumed by it, consumed by it, and, and confused. What's a need and what's a want? Should we update our house? What is that responsible or is that greedy? Ah, on and on. And so one evening, I remember saying to Ryan, like, I just have got to get centered again. I've got to get my soul centered again because I can feel it leaking. I can feel my soul leaking, my happiness leaking, my satisfaction's leaking. I've got to get centered again. So Ryan said, well, I'll give you, I'll give you half an hour tomorrow morning. That was so kind of him to take our boys for half an hour. Um, thank you. Sacrifice. So that I could have... Happy to help. Happy to help. Half an hour by myself with the Bible. And I would just tell you, it made all the difference to get my soul centered again. That's, that's what it is, to seek the kingdom first and then let everything else be added. Um, but we're going to end with the verse that, that Jesus says to his followers. This is really a challenging verse. In verse 33, sell your possessions and give to those in need. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This is a really challenging verse, you know, and, and it might mean that we're supposed to sell everything and give it to people in need, and people through history have done that, but I think that more Jesus is addressing a bit of a mindset here. This is a mindset. Be willing, followers of mine, to give it all away if I asked you to, and, and the way that we've summed this up in, in a very tangible way is that followers of Jesus are really supposed to hold stuff with an open hand, hold stuff with an open hand. You know, very often we hold our stuff with a vice grip. We really do. We dig our nails in deep and we're hanging on tight because we're so afraid that if I lose this thing, I'm just not even sure I know what I'm going to do. And, and Jesus says to his followers, I didn't make you to live that way. Your treasures aren't on earth. Your treasures are in heaven. Your treasures are in people and in experiences and in love. That's what real treasures are. So don't, don't hold your treasures in your hand with a vice grip. It's exhausting. Instead, open. Always live with your hands open. Everything that you own came from God and can go back to him and go back to his people. Live that way. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. And again, just coming back to what we said earlier, this, it's so important that we in this room have a very clear understanding that we are people of privilege, that we have so many things that we do not need, and that a lot of other people do need. And so for our January challenge this coming week, the Stuff Challenge, if you would remove, if you take your program out and just look at it for a moment, we, um, we have designed these challenges to help our interactions with stuff, to help us let go a little bit of our stuff. And so for the stuff challenge this week, there are the grown-up versions, the stuff challenge that we're going to go through our linen closet, our clothes closet, our storage, our coat closet. We're going to get rid of the things that we do not need, or perhaps that we just don't even really like. It's time to just be honest. Get rid of the stuff you don't like. You don't need to keep it. It's cluttering your life. It's suffocating your life. There's also a whole list of challenges on the backside for kids. We thought this would be so fun for kids to go through their stuff and get rid of the stuff that they don't need or they've outgrown or they don't read anymore and, or their socks that don't match. We don't need to keep the socks that don't have a match. We can get rid of those. It's time. So there are some, some real challenges. But then at the bottom of, of the adult page, you will see heart is accepting the following gently used items. 
We knew that with, we'd be saying to thousands of people, get rid of stuff, and that you'd be saying, and where should we take it? And so we tried to create an opportunity um, to bless uh, one of the ministries that we have here at Hosanna and help them in their mission. Heart is our Hosanna uh, action and relief team who shows up when a crisis hits, especially locally and, and in, in driving distance in the United States. We're thinking about hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and other things that happen where people become in dire need very quickly. And they need people to show up and help them. And we have a team here, a robust, very capable team that you could be part of if that would be interesting and and engaging for you as a way to serve God. This is the warehouse that is situated right next door to our Shakopee campus. Out there in Shakopee, did you know that through a door, there is this giant warehouse that is full of stuff that is ready to bring to people who need it when we hit a crisis. And so we asked our heart team, what do you need? When you show up in these places, what do you need? And they said, we need coats. We need warm clothes. We need blankets. We need sleeping bags, especially when these crises hit in the middle of winter. People lose everything and they're cold. And then I loved this thought. They said, you know what we'd love? Our toys. Now, this is good toys, okay? Not the ones that are broken and all the pieces are missing, okay? Don't bring those toys. But toys that kids, because kids have just gone through trauma, They've just had their houses knocked down. And so if we can show up with toys that they can play with and bring joy back into their life, that would be wonderful. So there, are, there is a specific list of things that you are invited to bring. I would tell you that on this list is not clothing. The team said, you know, if we got clothing, all your all's extra clothing from thousands of people, there would be so much clothing. It would take us weeks and months to go through it. So please don't bring clothes to this. However, we have a Tuesday morning clothes closet. You can be bringing every Tuesday morning here at Hosanna, bringing clothes or the Goodwill will take them and Savers will take them and etc. But these are the specific things Heart will take. So here's how it works. This coming Thursday through Sunday, we will have giant bins outside the doors at each of our campuses for you to bring these things and put them in the bins for the Heart Ministry. Now also, you got to remember that we have these glowing jars out there with the cotton balls. For every day that you do the 31-day Devo, you're going to get to put a cotton ball in. And for all of these challenges that you complete in this coming week, when you come back next week, you're going to be able to put a cotton ball in. And remember, those cotton balls go to feeding starving children. So what isn't awesome about the January challenge this week? Your house is going to get less cluttered. Mm-hmm. People are going to get fed. Let's do this, church. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. We are excited. The stuff challenge, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be good. And we encourage you to take it. It is a privilege to be part of a, a challenge like this. I love that idea of open hands, right? And sometimes that means giving away. Sometimes it means just holding onto your stuff loosely, like oh, if I had to give it away. Sometimes like I just want to share. And I was thinking about that. So many of you in this room, we've been direct beneficiaries of you just sharing what you have and inviting people into your homes and and letting them use what you have. Uh, This is good. I just want to bring us back to where we started. And that is a a life that is pursuing stuff leads to a leaky life. Joy leaks out. Meaning leaks leaks out. Purpose. Peace leaks out. But a life that is pursuing Jesus, that is seeking after the kingdom of God above all else, it leads to a full life. A life that gets filled. A life that holds water. A life that doesn't leak. That, That Riverside Bible camp they got a new pool. Here's a picture of it right there, all right? It doesn't leak. And there's a lot of fun and fullness and joy, and you just sense the difference. That's the life that God wants for us. <laughs> it's the life he wants for you. So I want to close by praying for you that, that wherever this message uh, is impacting you, touching you, that, that God will continue to work there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have come. 
Uh, that you sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to fill that hole in our soul. That's how we have a soul that doesn't leak because Jesus, the only one who can fill it, comes to the very center of our lives and keeps us right where we're supposed to be. Lord, help us to seek you above all else. Thank you for filling that hole in our soul, doing what we could never do on our own. Some of us here, we need wisdom, Lord, <laughs> to know what to do with our stuff, the stuff that we do own, the stuff that we don't own yet. Give us wisdom. And then there are some here or maybe part of the crowd and are saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want that rich relationship with God. I want to know, I mean really know, that my life is not measured by what I own, but it's measured by the God of the universe and the deep, deep affection that God has, that you have for each one of us. Thank you for that, Lord. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. We want to be after your stuff in this year, 2017. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen, amen. Please stand for a closing blessing at both campuses. Just want to remind you that we, as always, have people, trained prayer ministers that are ready to pray with you in the front, in the prayer room. They'd love to pray over anything that's been stirred up from this message, uh, maybe a blessing over this year, uh, maybe a prayer request, whatever is on your heart. They'd love to pray for you or your family. Now receive this blessing from God's heart to yours. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.